Burr's Trial Timeline 1789. The First Congress convenes in New York City in March. Washington begins an eight-day journey from Mount Vernon to New York City. On April 30th, he is inaugurated at Federal Hall. 1790. Secretary of War Henry Knox signs a peace treaty with Creek Indians. With Spanish support, however, the Creeks resume attacks on American frontier settlements. 1792. George Washington is re-elected president, with John Adams as vice president. 1793. Eli Whitney's cotton gin revolutionizes cotton production. 1796. Tennessee, a slave territory, is admitted to the Union as the 16th state. John Adams wins the presidency. Thomas Jefferson finishes second and becomes vice president. 1799. George Washington dies at age 67 on December 14. 1800. The federal government moves from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. in June. The balloting in the December presidential election produces a tie. The contest is sent to the House of Representatives. 1801. After 36 ballots, the House chooses Thomas Jefferson as third president of the United States on February 17th. Aaron Burr becomes vice president. 1803. Marbury v. Madison. The Supreme Court, under Chief Justice John Marshall, rules an act of Congress null and void when it conflicts with the provisions of the Constitution, establishing the principle of judicial review. 1803. The Louisiana Purchase. The United States roughly doubles in size. Under the terms of the purchase, the status of West Florida and Texas is left unclear. 1804. Burr and Hamilton duel on July 11th. Alexander Hamilton dies the next day. 1805. Thomas Jefferson is inaugurated for a second term. 1807. Aaron Burr is indicted for treason on June 27th. As long as it is impossible for you to transact your business in person, if you repose no confidence in delegates because there is a possibility of their abusing it, you can have no government, for the power of doing good is inseparable from that of doing some evil. John Marshall, Arguing for the Constitution, 1788 As a public man, he is one of the worst sort, a friend to nothing but as it suits his interest and ambition. Tis evident that he plans on putting himself at the head of what he calls the popular party, as affording the best tools for an ambitious man to work with. In a word, if we have an embryo Caesar in the United States, tis Burr. Alexander Hamilton But in this instance, he wished to teach a lesson on political persecution and to demonstrate that justice only existed when the lone individual could successfully confront the tyrannical hand of state power. He had already revealed his approach in a letter to his daughter Theodosia, asking her to compose an essay containing all the episodes in ancient history when a man of virtue and independence, and supposed to possess great talents, had become the object of vindictive and unrelenting persecution. Nancy Eisenberg, Fallen Founder Mississippi Territory, February 18, 1807 Two riders were approaching. It was nearly midnight. 
Nicholas Perkins, an attorney and militia officer, was playing backgammon with a friend in the small town of Wakefield, to the north of Mobile, when he heard a horse and rider pass at a brisk trot. One set of hooves seemed to pass, but when a second rider followed and stopped, Perkins went to his door. The second rider asked him for directions to the home of a Major Hinson. The other rider reined in his horse and waited a short distance away. Perkins briefly studied the silent rider, the smaller of the two horsemen. A beaver hat, pulled low, partly concealed his face. Perkins observed that the man's expensive riding boots did not match the rest of his outfit, which was rough-hewn. Knowing the difficulty of following the roads in a backwoods wilderness where the threat from Indians was very real, Perkins advised the two riders not to press on. Instead, he suggested that they spend the night at a nearby tavern. Rejecting the advice, the two men galloped off. But the pair of riders and the circumstances struck Perkins as too unusual to dismiss, and their unwillingness to stop raised his suspicions. Could they be robbers with a bad design on Hinson and his property? He wondered. Then another thought crossed his mind. Might the mysterious rider be Aaron Burr, making his escape through this remote country? This was not a random notion. The former vice president, Aaron Burr, was thought to be traveling in the territory, and Nicholas Perkins knew that a reward of $2,000 had been posted for his arrest amid swirling rumors and newspapers' speculation that Burr was up to no good. For months, the air had been filled with whispers and reports that the former vice president was gathering an army to foment an uprising or a war. Then, in January, in a letter to Congress, President Jefferson had openly accused Burr of a treasonous conspiracy. Suspecting that the mysterious rider might indeed be Burr, Perkins set off to find the local sheriff. They rode to Major Hinson's house, and it was there that Perkins got a better look at the man who had raised alarm bells. He was shocked by his bizarre get-up. He wore a slouching white hat with a broad brim, sported a long beard and checkered handkerchief around his neck, and a great baggy coat tied with a belt. Hanging from the belt was a tin cup and a butcher's knife. The outfit did not fit the profile of the dapper burr known for his stylish dress and genteel manners. But something gave him away. His eyes, attested Perkins. He later testified in court that he had heard Mr. Burr's eyes mentioned as being remarkably keen, and this glance from him strengthened his suspicions. Perkins waited outside Hinson's house while the sheriff spoke with the men. He then watched as Burr and the other rider, whose name was Robert Ashley, emerged from the house and rode with the sheriff, who was helping the wanted Burr get away. If the picture of a lawman aiding and abetting a known fugitive seems incongruous, there were good reasons that the people in this part of America, what was then deemed the American frontier in the future state of Alabama, were sympathetic to Aaron Burr and his rumored plans. According to one openly discussed rumor, Burr was planning an audacious plot to outfit an army, begin a war with Spain, and capture Florida.